Last week, Steve preached and uh, he talked about slowing down, but he also talked about pilgrimage. Remember that? Pilgrimage. And it reminded me of Julie and my pilgrimage in 2017. It's like six years now, this time, when we went to Europe um, to visit Emma, who was um, uh, studying in, in France at the time. And we decided, it was our 25th wedding anniversary, and we decided that we would do the Camino de Santiago, uh, the, the pilgrimage of St. James, which goes from the Pyrenees in France down to the coast of Spain. Normally it takes you, if you do the whole thing, it takes you between four to six weeks, depending on how fast you are. And um, just, Vicky and Steve aren't here today, so I can say this, just so you know, we did 10 days of it. And we did it with backpacks, 10 kilo backpacks, and we did it for 10 days. They only lasted three days on Hadrian's Wall, but just, uh, just so you're not competitive or anything, but we did 10 days, and we did 180 kilometres in 10 days. So that, that's pretty average, actually. <laughs> it's pretty, very, very average. There were people um, that had done it numerous times, um, so, what, there was one day in the first couple of days um, we were walking through the Pyrenees and up and down, up and down and there was this pair of older women in their 70s it's about their 10th time doing it I think one was 80 yeah, and the other one's about 78 and they kept on overtaking us <laughs> so, so we were like the tortoise just steady and just slowly going and they would They'd walk past us and then they'd stop and have a cup of tea and a little sandwich or something. And we'd overtake them and just keep going. And then all of a sudden they'd pass us. And it's, but um, it was a very humbling experience. But like Steve said, on that journey, on that pilgrimage, it was a, an amazing time to just connect with God and just spend time um, thinking about God. Like one of the things that really spoke to me was just walking to places one of the things that happened to us is we did 180 kilometers in in 10 days and we went from a place at one point we went from a place called Pamplona anyone heard of Pamplona it's where they do the running of the bulls and we walked to the end point so that was about day three and to the end point which is a place called Lagrano which we finished at and um, that took us about six days to walk that distance and then when we were in Lagrono, we got on a bus after we'd had a rest, got on a bus and left. And we went back literally through Pamplona in about an hour. And it had taken us six days or so to walk that distance. But what it reminded me of is it, it took me back to what life would have been like for Jesus. And the fact of how they walked everywhere. And, and the interesting thing was like, Obviously, when as Jesus was walking with his disciples and teaching as he walked, he was living life together with them. And, and I remember Julie was so excited about this walk because she thought, oh, I've got Ben all to myself and oh, we can just talk about so much stuff. And, and after about day two or three, I said, Julie, you're really quiet. And she's like, you, you're not saying much. She goes, I just, can't, I just got to walk. I just... I can't. I just can't think of anything else. I just got to make sure I just one step after another, just get where I can get going. 
And but the reality is, after a few days, we got used to it, and we we could converse and talk, and we talked to lots of people on the walk as well. And it's just an amazing reminder of what it's like when you slow down, and, and you focus on relationship, and you focus on just going to where you need to go. And this is the incredible thing is, and it brings me to the spiritual practice that I want to talk about today because the thing that we discovered on that walk is the power of community. Uh, this is the thing and, and that the, the simple fact that the practice of fellowship and hospitality have such a significant part when it comes to building community. Now this, this pilgrimage, the Camino de Santiago has been going on for hundreds of years and literally every year, something like 250,000 people do it. They go on this walk. We went in around this time and it's a bit cooler and, and autumn at the peak in, in um, summer, there's just thousands walking it. But there was always someone around us. There's always someone walking. And we all had this one thing in common. We wanted to walk the Camino. And we wanted to... Uh, and we had that one thing in common, and it didn't matter how old we were or how young you were. We met people that had just finished studying, finishing their degrees and so forth, and they wanted to, to do something to, to remember the end of their study. And we had others who were celebrating landmarks in their life, and, and there was all sorts of people. And, you know, there were some that had really fancy backpacks, and there were some that had just ordinary ones. There's just all sorts of people that were walking it, and from all sorts of places. Some were from America and all over Europe, Australia, Asia, Korea, all sorts of people that we met. And the thing is, we were all planning and walking from one point to the next. It wasn't, it wasn't about the backpacks. It wasn't about the, the standard of our shoes. It wasn't about where we were from. It wasn't how old we were. The fact is that we had this one thing in common that we wanted to walk from A to B. And we, and we, at the same time, we were united in the fact that that's what we were doing. And every night we'd sleep in these hostels, they're called albergues. And, and some of them we literally shared with probably over 20 people. Not 20 bunk beds in a room. And we're all sleeping in there together. One night I was snoring and the guy under me was just like shaking the bed. <laughs> it was just, just like... But we'd share a meal together as well. They'd always put on a pilgrim's meal and, and you'd, you'd, as part of your accommodation you got that. And there's this sense of community. Terrible showers, showering in you know, like cubicles with like all sorts of people. And it was just, just... But the one thing was there was a sense of community. Every time we stopped in a hostel, there was a meal ready for us. We shared a meal together with people. One place we shared was a Christian hostel, and uh, we had a meal together, and they went around the table. Often this happened. They went around the table and asked where you were from and why you were doing the Camino. And uh, there's that sense of camaraderie and, and unity and community together. And it was all around this idea of, of hospitality as well. People opened their doors to the pilgrims to come in, and they'd give them a meal. And, uh, and we'd share a meal together. And I remember the sense of fellowship as well on the walk. On the last day we were doing it, we had our last, and it was probably about 18 k's, we were walking 18 to 20 k's, and we decided to to um, be nice to ourselves. And so what we did is we got our backpacks sent on to the where we were staying, 
the next day and we just took day packs so light pack we thought we're just going to be nice just take an easy walk and so we we were just cruising along loving it and i remember seeing up ahead we saw this guy with this massive backpack on his back and he was struggling he was and we weren't far from where we were finishing and he was he was really finding it tough and you could see by the hobble that he had on that uh and we all like if you walk that walk you know what the hobble feels like when you get it's just there's points in the walk where you do hobble because you're just trying to get to the end. And, um, and so Julie and I pulled up next to him and we started talking to him. And he was from uh, Great Britain. I can't remember. England, I think he was. He was a Brit. And um, so we started talking. And, and as we're talking, he's like, he, he said, oh, it's, getting, it's really hard. My feet are aching. And I said, look, we'll walk with you just to the, to the town and, uh, and just help you along the way and we had to slow down but we just walked and talked and he told us how this was about his third or fourth time he was doing it and different things about his story and his life and but we just walked and encouraged him and and there's a real sense of community and fellowship and oneness in that space and when we got to the end he's like thank you so much I don't I don't know if I could have done it if you guys hadn't walked with me as and there's just a a fantastic illustration of the power of fellowship the power of community and and, um, when I think of that experience for us the Camino and what it did and the the sense that it gave me of how important community and fellowship is uh, it started making me think about when we practice fellowship when we practice community when we practice hospitality and I see it out in the community, it makes me start to wonder and reflect on how are we going within the church when it comes to community and fellowship? Are, are we forming strong and healthy relationships with one another? Are we practicing this idea of fellowship and what it means? And often when I think about that, when I, when I reflect upon it, it, sometimes it gives me more questions than answers and uh, I want to just throw some questions out to you today about this and I want you to take a moment just to reflect upon it yourself because I want to share about the spiritual practice of fellowship the spiritual practice of relationship and community and today and I want us to start by asking us ourselves some of these questions questions like how are we living together as God's community what does fellowship look like in a healthy church? What do we as the church share in common? What makes outsiders who are looking in at the church be attracted to it? You know, I said before, over 250,000 people walk the Camino every year. And it just blows your mind because we were thinking of taking this holiday and, and when we saw the Camino, I can't remember how we came across it. I think it was a movie we watched or something. It just made us think, oh, we want to do that. That looks like fun, dare I say it. <laughs> um, we discovered soon it wasn't fun, but it just looks like something good to do. It looked attractive for some reason. 
And then the last one is, how am I being hospitable? Not just to the church community, but also beyond the church community. You see, we ask these questions, and the interesting thing is, in the time we live in today, even within the church and even broader society, we have more opportunities to be connected than ever before. Through social media and all of these different things, there is the opportunity to be connected like never before. Even you can get on a plane and go anywhere you want very easily. We can travel the world. Like when my mum came here from Italy, it took her three months on a boat because they couldn't afford airfare or it was hardly available. Like we can access so much stuff these days. Uh, but then at the same time, sociologists tell us that social isolation and loneliness is at epidemic proportions. Isn't that right? There are more lonely people in our world than ever before. And, uh, and, I, and the stats, let me just say this, the stats are not much different between society and the church, that people are feeling isolated and lonely even in the church. And I've especially noticed this even since the pandemic. One thing I've really noticed talking to different people is that a lot of people these days aren't even coming to a church gathering like this anymore. There's a lot of people that I've talked to that are actually doing church online and not with their local church community like we have here. But I've talked to people that they say, my church is Elevation Church in America, in the US, and my pastor is Stephen Furtick. He's like, and you're here in Adelaide. And like every Sunday I'll get up and watch it, and that's my church community. And I think, that's crazy. That's, that's, that, that just doesn't seem like the way God had planned that church to be. But the reality is the online presence and online life is becoming a reality for so many people and the church is just reflecting what's happening in society because a lot of people are living their life through a screen these days. And, uh, and the really interesting thing is when we talk about fellowship and community, uh, experts tell us that there are two things that, that really have threatened and um, become a, an issue when, it, when we come to try to create fellowship and, and community. And I want to just share with you these two things, and you might relate to them, you might feel uh, an understanding with them. Oh, where are we? Oh, let me skip that. The threats to fellowship are simply, one of them's individualism, which simply means I fellowship to get what I need from community. I had an interesting experience in the last couple of weeks where someone, there's a page on Facebook that says, um, you know you're from Lafever Peninsula and the Port Adelaide when la la la. And someone put on there a, a question about churches and saying, I'm looking for a church. And the really interesting thing is what they wrote is, I'm looking for a church that has this. It's like one, one of the things was a captivating pastor. They wanted a church with a captivating pastor. So I'm, like, I'm not answering this. No, I don't want to live up to that standard. 
but they they had had to have a exciting kids program it had to have you know all these different things and it's like that I I fellowship to get what I need from that community it was all, all about what that person needed and and that's how a lot of people come into community is I'm looking to get what I need and it's the idea of individualism it's all about me and it happens in society but it happens in the church a lot I I'm not getting what I need from this community so I'm going to go look for another community because they're not doing this for me and they're not doing that for me and they're not providing all these sorts of things and this is something that threatens the power of fellowship and community because we're only looking at it from our individual perspective rather than a community perspective the other thing that threatens community is what we call tribalism which says I only fellowship with those who are like me this is this is a, a real issue and is becoming more and more of an issue in our society um, day by day especially with social media and how it works but I'll only spend time and be with people who think like me talk like me and have the same attitude as me or the same thoughts so they have the same political agenda as me or they have the same um, thoughts towards uh, morality and they only, and so I'll only mix with them or I'll only mix with my kind and this is so far from what real community and fellowship is but who's noticed that even like I won't say anything more but even in this idea we're coming up to a referendum and there seems like I'll only talk to people who have my my way of thinking so if whether it's no or yes I'll spend time with those and listen to those that agree with what I think rather than and it's like you you can't agree to disagree anymore is you either have to there's polar opposites and this is that idea of tri tribalism and and when I think of these things I think well what's the answer how do I how do I deal with it and I, I know that the answer is in God's word the answer is there God's word shows us what real community looks like what attitude we should take into fellowship with one another and what that fellowship should look like and um, I got my my um, clicker in the wrong direction but these I'll share with you some scriptures to show you and and sort of describe and define what community looks like Romans 12 10 13 and 16 says these things honor one another above yourselves share with the Lord's people who are in need practice hospitality live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position <laughs> who put that there um, think you think of individualism and think of tribalism this this tackles both of those things isn't it it's not about honor one another above yourself so it's not about me it's not about what I get it's where others share with the Lord's people who are in need practice hospitality and the last one do not be proud and be willing to associate with people of low position be ready to talk to and associate with people who are different from you Philippians 2 3 and 4 says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves that's what the practice of fellowship is all about it's about counting others as more significant than yourself 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's an outward focus. It's not an inward focus. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Isn't that powerful? Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, one example I see of that attitude is, I don't know if anyone's ever been to a meeting or not, but the, the group Alcoholics Anonymous, they have this ability to be transparent and open and vulnerable and people get up and say, hey, my name's Ben and I'm an alcoholic and la la la. And But the, the community and connection in the room covers that brokenness, that sin, that, that stuff. And there's, a, there's a, a transparency that is powerful. And when you're in that sort of space, it, it motivates you to stay clean, to stay healthy, to stay well, because you know you've got a community of people who aren't judging you, but are standing with you and believing in you. And it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, gee. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We all have something to give. It's not about what we get. Healthy fellowship, the practice of fellowship, the practice of community is not about what we get. It's about what we give. And you, we know that one of the best examples of a, a healthy community, a, a healthy uh, church that's practicing this type of fellowship is the early church in the book of Acts. It gives us a really clear picture of it. And uh, let's have a read of it um, in Acts 2, 42 to 47, talking about their early church. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What an incredible picture of community. What an incredible picture of fellowship. And the, the great thing about this is that when people saw this happening, the Bible says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who... So people were looking at these people in community and fellowship, sharing their lives together, and they were saying, I want that. I want what they've got. I want what they've got. Because they, they saw the incredible connection that they had. And this is the thing. It, they were reflecting what they had received from God. And, and these were people who understood. This is why they... They were able to overcome the, the pull of individualism or the pull of tribalism. They understood that God had given them this amazing free gift. 
through Jesus Christ. They had this incredible gift and they thought, I can't keep this to myself. I need to share it with others. I need to live it with others. I need to, we need to commune together and enjoy the benefit of all that God has done for us together. And so from, from their example, it shows us two very simple things of what fellowship looks like in a healthy church community. Number one, it's about meeting together regularly to share what we have in common. What are the things we have in common? Well, God's word is one of those things. Communion is one of those things. Julie shared communion today. But, you know, it doesn't just have to happen as a sacrament here in church. You can share communion together when you meet together. You know, today, some of you might go out to lunch together. Guess what? You're sharing communion. As you share together and you, you, you celebrate the bond you have through Jesus Christ, that's, a, that's fellowship. When you enjoy each other's company and prayer. And this is, this is what fellowship is all about. It's not about trying to be nice people. I'm trying to be nice people. No, it's about sharing what you have in common. But to do that, we need to encourage. And I, I, I want to encourage you today. I don't want to condemn you and say, are you doing it enough? But I want to encourage you that you have community. You have a family around you. You have other brothers and sisters in Christ that you can share life with. You don't have to do it alone. And the thing that we share is we share around God's word. We share around the things that we have in common. We share our faith in Jesus Christ. And the early church did this. Every day they continued to meet together. You know, this week um, we have grow groups on. On Tuesday night, there's Chris and Dez's grow group, Monica's grow group on Tuesday night, and then Mao's running one now on a Thursday night for those who can't do Tuesday nights. And they're a great opportunity to gather together around God's word and to pray for one another and support one another. These are great things. And maybe you're feeling a bit isolated and, and you're thinking, oh, I'm, not, I'm not getting enough out of my church community. Well, maybe it's time to step out of your comfort zone and step into a space like that. Step into a space where you can enjoy community and you can give as well as receive. These, these are the things that, uh, but it doesn't just have to be that. I've, I've had a real blessing just lately. I've been meeting with one of our pop-up attendees every week and we read the Bible together. And it's been an incredible blessing, not just hopefully to him, um, but also it's been such a blessing to me. As we sit down, we've been going through Genesis and it's just been an incredible time where we read the Bible, we talk about it and he asks questions and I try to answer them and, and we pray together. And we also make each other accountable. Of what are we going to do this week because of what we've read? And let me encourage you that maybe we need to think outside the box and start to think about who can I meet together to read God's word together with or just to pray with or spend time with. The other thing that fellowship requires us if we're going to overcome individualism and, and tribalism is we need to practice hospitality. And I, I know a lot of you go, well, yeah, but I can't cook. I can't do this. I, can't, I don't want people coming into my house. Then I have to clean it. I don't know. Who knows? 
or I'm just too busy. But this this idea of hospitality is not just about food. Food is good. I'm Italian. Food is good. But it's more than just food. It's about sharing your life with someone else. It's about simply getting involved in each other's life. So just getting past this idea of, oh, who are you barracking for in the grand final today, Sturt or Glenelg? Oh, did you watch the footy last night? Oh, gee, Carlton were robbed. Um, well. <laughs> well, it's, an, it's about getting past that and actually sharing your life with someone else. People that hopefully in this environment, it's a safe environment that you know you can trust them, that they've got your back that you can talk about it. And maybe that will take time to build a relationship like that. But it requires us to step out of our comfort zone and say, I'm going to take a risk and actually build a relationship with someone else. I'm going to build fellowship. I'm going to build community. I'm going to practice this spiritual practice of fellowship and community. And trust me, I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to you guys. But practicing hospitality doesn't mean you have to have someone over for dinner. You can be hospitable by just opening your life up to someone and making a space where they can be honest and you are honest with them. That's what hospitality is. It's about sharing your life with one another. Now we know in the early church the the result of this sort of life this sort of fellowship this sort of community this sort of oneness was that they saw miracles they saw incredible things happen they saw people coming wanting to join them they, they saw all sorts of things that and they overcame this this drive that seems to happen in the in the world around us for individualism and tribe they managed to overcome that they had people from all sorts of backgrounds in their church they even it even caused conflict you know, we had the conflict where the um, local Jews or the, the Jews from out of town were complaining about the Jews from in town that they were getting favoured around the mealtime. And so we had this stuff, but they talked through it and they worked through it. And so I'm not saying you're not going to have conflict. It's not gonna, I'm not going to say it's all going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns and lovely and nice. It, it might take a bit of work to work this out. But it's about the fact that, that with the early church, they really understood this idea that we have received such a generous gift from God that we need to share it with others. We need to learn to practice love. We need to open our hearts to people. We need to open our lives to people. We need to open our doors to people. And um, this is the William Barclay describes Christianity like this. Christianity is the religion of the open hand, the open heart, and the open door. And let me say, that's when I talk about the practice of fellowship and community, this is what I'm talking about. That us coming with an open hand, an open heart, and an open door. This is the, the challenge for us, even in modern society. How am I opening my hand to others? How am I opening my heart to others? And how am I opening my door to others? So let me throw this challenge out to us all. How to fellowship. 
first thing we can do is committing to reading and studying God's word with someone else and putting into practice what we learn together. This is our challenge, church. And this is something I've been talking about for a little while, but who are you reading the Bible with so that you can grow in your faith? Because yes, you will grow reading it on your own, but you will be surprised at the idea of iron sharpening iron, how much you will grow more when you do it with someone else. Let me throw the challenge out to us here. One, maybe you're not doing that, and one way you can do that is start going along to grow groups as a starting point to get to know people. Maybe, and maybe you've got to step out of the boat and go, I'm going to ask someone if they want to do it with me once a week, read the Bible and pray together. Whatever it is, I think the early church showed us that they gathered around the things they had in common. And the thing they had in common was God and God's word. And so when we read God's word and, and study it together, it has the power to transform our lives. And that is simple, another thing, very simple, is to get involved in church life. In other words, if you're finding yourself a little bit isolated or not a bit lonely in church life, this is really basic, but just get involved. Put your hand up to do something. You'll start to meet other people. You'll start. So it's not about what I get. It's not about I'm not getting what I need. It's like, what can I give? So we're always looking for help, not just here on a Sunday, but on a, like Julie said today, Wednesday night at pop-up, Friday night at youth. Juanita would always love more helping kids. We need people to set up chairs and and help with the ushering team isn't that right linda linda would always love help she's always looking for more help so i know it's a really and that's sort of involved around programs but the reality is when you're in that environment you get to meet others you'll meet people that you don't normally mix with here in church life and all of a sudden you might find yourself broadening your horizons and beginning to practice this this idea of fellowship and community just in closing, I want to finish with, with just a couple of last thoughts. And um, because the spiritual practice of fellowship is simply loving God and loving each other together. You can't do fellowship all by yourself. You've got to do it with others. And there's no, no better way for us to affect the culture around us than by the way we live together. That's... One of the things that people say to me over and over again about Pop-Up Kitchen, and they actually just did a, a study of it um, in our area on the peninsula. The council put together a study and they, they interviewed people that come along to Pop-Up Kitchen on a Wednesday night and asked them, what do you like about it? And the thing that came up again and again and again was that people from the community loved coming here, number one, because they felt safe but they also felt valued and loved. And they said the volunteers are so kind, they're so friendly, they're so helpful, they're, they're always smiling, they're always encouraging. And that, that's the environment we want to create. And they, they, they feel like they matter. And, and this, is the, this is the power of us fellowshipping together. And this is what fellowship is all about, is when when we can understand that there is great power when we do life together, when we show the unity we have 
it speaks volumes not just to the community around us but also amongst each other it it, it, it strengthens us jesus told us it this way when he said a new commandment i give to you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you love if you have love for one another that's what the spiritual practice of fellowship is us loving one another but god's type of love is not about what i get god's type of love is about what i give because god loved us by giving his son god loved us Jesus set the example of what love looks like by giving his life for us. So when we think about how we are to love one another, it's about what do I have to give to others. I want to finish with this last thought. And it's, it came from my getting together with this guy from the community and reading our Bible together. We were reading Genesis 2 and we'll have a look at it just quickly and it says there the lord took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work and care for it and the lord commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will certainly die then in verse 18 the lord said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a helper suitable for him now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And then in the next verse it says, And then God put him into a sleep, took his rib, formed the woman and gave him Eve. Now, I read this passage as I was preparing, like last week or so, and as what really jumped out at me, and just listen to me at this moment, in this passage, God has provided everything for Adam that he seems to need. He gave him a home to live. He put him in the garden, a beautiful garden, with everything he would ever need in that garden. There was fruit and food and everything he needed, a safe place for him to live. And then he, but the reality is, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So he had a home, but he was alone. So God said that's not right. And then, but, and God also, you read in here, God gave him rules. You know, we love rules. And God gave him rules don't eat of this tree. So he had boundaries, he had a home. It also, then God also gave him a job to name all the animals and and to do all of that and so he had a purpose so he had a home he had boundaries he had a purpose he had all these things that we often think are what we need to be fulfilled isn't that right but at the end of the day at the end of all of that not even the companionship of animals so not even your pets are enough dare i say but he was it's almost like god is showing us in this in this passage that you can have a home you can have a roof over your head you can have good boundaries you can have 
uh, a purpose and a job and a, a something to do. You can have all these things. You can even have companions. But if you want to really experience contentment and fulfillment in life, you have to share your life with someone else who is like you. Someone else. And that, I'm not just talking about marriage and all of that. But God made our lives to be shared in community. Rick Warren says, I say this often, we were created for community, fashioned for fellowship and formed for family. This is what God created us for, that we would live in community and fellowship. And so my challenge to us today when it comes to the spiritual practice of fellowship is, is how are we going with it? Are we seeing the value of it? Because there comes a great sense of fulfillment when we really practice it. I'll just leave you with some questions to reflect on and then we'll close. And I ask you these questions and I'm asking myself these questions just as much as I'm asking you. What am I doing to study God's word with others? How do I respond? How how do I respond when I hear about someone else's need? How do I respond when I hear about someone else's need? How do I make room for others in my life? Or in other words, how do I practice hospitality? And what does the outsider see when they look at my life? What does the outsider see when they look at my life. I want you to just take a moment, just as we come to a close, to think about that, to consider that. Consider those questions. Even as this week goes on, maybe one of those questions really resonates with you and you want to just ponder over it and pray around it and ask God for direction in those areas. So let's just take a moment. Lord God, I just pray and I ask you to help us. Help us as a church community to love in a way that you've called us to love. To have community as you've called us to have community. To see the value of sharing our life with others around us. To sharing what we have in common with our brothers and sisters. Help us to love like you loved God. Help us to practice fellowship as you've called us to practice fellowship. Not just a nice hello, but a a true heartfelt, how are you going? Help us get beyond the surface and really know each other. That's our prayer, God that it would go beyond even just these Sunday services, but it would go to our very everyday life. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.